Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. Chelsea, we have a little date tonight. Are you sick of me yet? We're spending a lot of time together. <laughs> we are. We like join at the hip. It's a little bit cute. It's because we have to have a professional relationship. So even if we were enemies on so the inside. So you're on the inside to hang out with me. Is that what you're saying? No, you're the younger, cool one in this relationship. Oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> actually, that would actually make you wow. me a crisis since she That is the 30. greatest compliment you've ever given me. <laughs> well, we're going to see Jennifer Lawrence's new movie tonight, mm-hmm. No Hard Feelings. Do I get that right? Yes. Normally this wouldn't be kind of like a big headline-making event, but this is the movie that's been tied to her kind of changing her whole career and going into this, like, different comedy genre Mm. and the fact that it could be, like, make or break for her. And I also don't want to put a huge target on this movie's back, but I hope this movie brings back comedy. Yeah. Like, I need comedies back in a big way. I think studios have been really nervous to make comedies for, like, a cinema release Mm. because they have a much kind of easier place on streaming services and there's, like, a whole... Okay, we won't go into this now, but if anyone (laughs) wants to talk to me about this, there's a huge fight for cinema screens at the moment of who gets to have that. Have you been following that? I am so across the I knew you were a fellow nerd. (laughs) Exactly. Who gets to show on the big proper screens, the high digital one that's not high tech talk. And so that's being reserved for, like, really big blockbusters or the other thing that gets a cinema release is the kind of smaller indie prestige films because they want to go into the awards circuit and so normal comedies are getting pushed to streamers and not getting a big screen release. Anyway, we're going to the movies tonight. Stay tuned for that review. Coming up on the show today, Meghan Markle is making headlines and Prince Harry, but you know, everything is always centred on Meghan Markle. She is always the target. After the news that her podcast will no longer have a home at Spotify, there have been some allegations now about the fact that all the interviews were faked. We're going to get into that. It's a really big story. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Pop star Bibi Rixa is recovering after she was struck in the face and injured by a phone thrown at the stage during a concert in New York City yesterday. In clips of the event, Rixa is shown dropping to the floor after being hit towards the end of the concert, bringing it to a very abrupt end. She left the stage and was taken to a nearby hospital where she required stitches. So this morning, Rixa shared photos to Instagram and a video to TikTok showing her stitches and a burgeoning black eye. It looks really painful, but it does seem like she's in good spirit. She references her 2022 hit, I'm Good Blue, in both of those videos. I'm good, yeah, I'm feeling alright. So a 27-year-old New Jersey man has been arrested and charged with felony assault for using his cell phone as a weapon, the New York Police Department confirmed. So Rex's next tour date is supposed to be tomorrow. So here's hoping she's resting up today. So this week, the marketing for the Barbie movie has been kicked up a notch, if that was even possible, given all the magazine covers, sneak peeks, posters, behind the scenes stories that have already come. just (laughs) 
all of the things. Someone needs to write a thesis on the marketing plan for this movie because obviously it was a bit more ripe for marketing compared to other movies, but it is just like someone has devoted their whole life's work to this marketing plan. (laughs) And I thank them. And it is working. (laughs) So Architectural Digest has released a video tour of Barbie's dream house hosted by Barbie herself, Margot Robbie, who's also a producer on the film. Now, Architectural Digest, if you're just buying the magazine, is one of those things that can be a bit, unless you've got a huge amount of money to spend on homewares, bit of a dry read, yeah. you know, unless you've got that level of taste, which I'm going to safely say that we don't have <laughs> no. or budget don't have. <laughs> but where they kind of really do make quite a lot of viral headlines is with their celebrity home tours. So think Cara Delevingne climbing through the vagina tunnel yes. that she had built in her house or Dakota Johnson's infamous, I love limes. <laughs> I have limes all over my house. I'm actually allergic to limes and I was joking. I actually didn't even know that they were in there. I was giving the tour and went into the kitchen and they it was set dressing. I'm actually, I'm allergic to limes. Those kind of stories. They have done set work before, but this is the first time I've seen like a fictional house kind of take over the headlines like that. So it kicks off with Margot Robbie dressed in like her full Barbie regalia, taking us through the house. <laughs> it's like she's a queen. Yeah, taking us through the house. And there are some very interesting things in there. Welcome to Barbie's dream house. Come on in. This is my breakfast table and my kitchen. We're in the living room right now. Here's a fun little bar and the slide that goes from the bedroom down into the pool. Not super practical, but nothing is for Barbie. It's just fun and gorgeous and it's see-through. So we can see each other, all the Barbies in their own Barbie dream houses wake up in the morning and they can wave at each other. So what you're kind of seeing there, and we'll share a link in the show notes so you can watch the full tour. It's about seven minutes long. Highly recommend. It's the greatest seven minutes. (laughs) Of your life? Of my life. (laughs) Well, what's interesting there is you can see her kind of walking through the house, and they've actually created all of these Barbie dream houses side by side, Mm. and they are kind of see-through with, like, the front opening up like the traditional Barbie houses are, so they can see into each other's houses, and you've got all the different Barbies waving. And I think also, interestingly, there's no way to get from, like, different levels. So you just see Margot Robbie's character float from the top down into her car and the reasoning is Greta Gerwig says like well if you're playing with Barbies you never walk the Barbie down the stairs you just pick her up and move her so there's no way to get anywhere it has to be she has to like float everywhere like a child's hand is moving her that blew my mind because she very famously in the trailer which I've watched about 40 times flies down from the top level down to the bottom and I was like that's strange I wonder why (laughs) I just thought Barbie was magical but that is such a good explanation <laughs> and I really love that throughout this like seven minutes, again, the greatest seven minutes ever, the attention to detail here yeah. is insane. And the fact that they've thought about it through both sort of like a traditional nostalgic Barbie lens. I yeah. mean, it's so pink, right? But also like Barbie is a toy. And yeah. so they have Barbie checks her mail and her mail is just all this like scribbled handwriting that doesn't yeah. actually mean anything yeah. because it's representative of a child just kind of scribbling. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, the people behind this movie, I'm starting They're to sound manic. They're working on levels that we cannot understand. It's just genius. And as she's going through the house, she's noting that there's a lot of places that feature water and or fire, but in the world of Barbie, water and fire doesn't exist <laughs> because yeah. you wouldn't have water and fire near a child. So the pool looks like water, but it's like painted. And she was saying that even on set it looks so realistic that people would like kind of tiptoe around the pool they didn't want to fall in but it's paper and then she's like and here's her shower and she's like she showers every day she turns it on but no water comes out because there's no water in barbie land Mm. and then you kind of see her bed set up and what's interesting there is that 
you see her that she just wakes up and Margot says in the clip she wakes up perfectly, no like bed hair, no a bad breath. She just kind of rises from the bed. And what's interesting, if, if you go in and read the written article that goes with it, which is all the designers talking, is they say that they've paired this kind of clamshell headboard upholstered in velvet with like a sequined cover. And then you've got all of her outfits coordinated. And every time she goes to the closet and opens it, the outfit just appears on her body and the next outfit appears. And one of the designers says, it's a lot of pink. It's a clamshell. It's a big closet. So we've decided this is clearly the home built for a single woman. (laughs) (laughs) And as a single woman who lives alone, can I just say, my home doesn't look like this, but I wish it did. Well, it's true. I mean, Kin doesn't need to stay over. Definitely doesn't. I thought I might stay over tonight. Why? Because we're girlfriend, boyfriend. To do what? I'm actually not sure. But they also <laughs> go to say, which is interesting, is that the first Barbie dream house was sold in 1962 when it was incredibly rare for a woman to live alone and have her own home. So they've tried to set it up as if it's like this kind of big statement mm. that Barbie lives in her own home. Again, amazing. Okay, I know that, like, you know, Barbie and feminists <laughs> have a history. <laughs> They're trying so hard to make it feminist. I'm here for it. Like, every little detail that we get about this film, you would think that, it's hyping it up too much, but I think I it's do just actually think it might be hyping it too much. So you perfect. said you've watched the trailers so many times. I've mm. I've stopped watching any trailers that come out, except obviously I had to watch this for work. Yeah. But you know, it is getting a bit much. They need to kind of just rein it back. I now. just feel like I'm too deep now. Like even if it's the worst movie I've ever seen, <laughs> like it'll still be fun in like yeah. a camp way. Like it really is sort of prestigious, but also fun. Yeah. I feel like the tone of it. Hopefully. I just don't want to see great. every joke before we go in the cinema to see it. Mm, true. So it's coming out in July 21. They are The cast is coming to Australia for the premiere. I'm assuming we'll be invited. Literally everyone I know has asked me if they can come to this premiere. I know. And so I don't know what to do with my... I had a friend in New yeah. Zealand who was like, I might fly over. I was like, girl, what? that's intense. Okay, we're going to have to have a conversation <laughs> about what we do about this because everyone we work with want tickets, wants our tickets, and we've only got two spare. Whoever's the nicest to me that week. Okay, well, there you go. If you work in the mum mayor office. And we will link the full to it in the show notes if you'd like to take a look. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. I'm Megan, and this is Archetypes, my podcast about the labels and tropes that try to hold women back. So once again, everyone is talking about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, but once again, mostly Meghan Markle and her podcast, Archetypes, after it was announced that she and Prince Harry were cutting ties with Spotify three years after agreeing to an Australian $29 million deal. What the hell? So in a joint statement, Spotify and their company Archwell Audio said they had mutually agreed to part ways and are proud of the series they made together. So Markle hosts Archetypes. It's an interview format podcast, which hasn't had new episodes since November. 
I haven't actually listened to it, Laura. You're looking like you might have. Oh, no, I've listened to a few episodes, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realise it hadn't been out since November, but that tracks because I think they released one episode with like 15 guests, nothing else, a few episodes, and then Mm. nothing else. So there was a total of 12 episodes, so that's sort of in the three years since they signed that deal. And it had included like some really incredible guests, Mariah Carey, Paris Hilton, Mindy Kaling, Serena Williams... So the Wall Street Journal, which broke this split news, also said that Harry and Meghan probably didn't meet the productivity clauses in their contract because they only produced, you know, 12 podcasts in three years. I think you produce 12 podcasts a week. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, they are unlikely to receive the full payout. But even if they've cut ties with Spotify, an Archwell Productions spokeswoman said that Megan is continuing to develop more content for the Archetypes audience on another platform. So we may get a season two at some stage in some other sort of format. But while this was presented as a mutual, rather drama-free business decision, all of the information that has come out since points to it maybe not being that. Yes, exactly. So obviously anytime they have a project dropped or changed, there's a lot of headlines around the fact that their empire could be crumbling, (laughs) whereas they're working in this kind of like big production space where, you know, they've got different deals with different networks with Netflix and Spotify and publishing deals. And the nature of that sort of business is that not every project does go forward. And I don't think it's always as salacious as people make it out. And right now, tech companies just generally and Spotify are really like cutting staff and projects. They're really cutting saying they overspent on that first big blast and now they're saying that potentially, not with any specific host, but in some cases they may have spent their money incorrectly. Mm -hmm. We've all been there, Spotify, Mm -hmm. don't feel bad about it. (laughs) So where the headlines kind of blew up is that recently Bill Simmons, who is the founder of the Ringer Podcast Network, which has been sold to Spotify, so he then has a leadership role within Spotify, he has his own podcast and he recently called Prince Harry and Meghan Markle grifters when talking about their deal. So he said, I wish, this is in his personal podcast, he said that he wishes he had been involved in the Megan and Harry Spotify negotiation, particularly the negotiation around them leaving, and that's the podcast that should have kind of launched. And he said, I would have called it the fucking grifters. <laughs> and then he went on to say, I have got to get drunk one night and tell the story of the Zoom I had with Harry to help him with a podcast idea. It's one of my best stories. Fuck them, the grifters. The story that's out there is that they signed this huge deal at that time where they had left the royal family. There was so much favour kind of around them, at least in America, because they didn't have that intense ingrained royal slash racial hatred that in particular was very prevalent in the UK. And I think then they had that big burst of moving to the US. Remember, it was like they've got a book deal Mm -hmm. and a huge Spotify deal and a Netflix deal. And yes, all the kind of commentary around the bad side of the royal family was wrapped up in that. But they were really trying to push that through Arch while they were like going to be more about philanthropy and making a difference. And so Archetypes, Megan's podcast, which I did listen to most of the episodes. And my feedback is that it just needed a little bit of work. In just terms a little of production. Bit of it, not that anyone was like bad or anything. Like the Mindy Kaling episode, I've got to say, is one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. But that's because Mindy Kaling is great on a podcast mm. and she doesn't do podcasts. Meghan Markle needed just a little bit of help with her interviewing technique. It's a very hard thing to do. That's fine. They were just trying to make it too many things. There were all these nuggets of interest in there. Yeah, right. But then they get really set on like, why do we call women this particular name and go mm. through the history on it but not bring anything new into it? Anyway, interesting podcast. That's just a bit of feedback. Interesting um, <laughs> is what I'm gathering. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, every podcast needs work. That's fine. 
But also, like, one of her shows for Netflix was meant to be, like, empowering young women, like a cartoon series that got dropped and stuff. And it was only their kind of projects around the royal family in terms of the Netflix series about their, like, leaving the UK and also Harry's book that really took off Mm. and all of their smaller deals around things that were a bit more kind of what they were saying with their passions and their humanity projects kind of got pushed by the wayside. And so I feel like that kind of hasn't helped their public image. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at this deal being signed in early 2020, they're in a very different place now oh, yeah. post all of the things, like just bloody decades worth of stuff all condensed into like an 18-month period. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that about her interviewing technique. Yeah. Because today a publication called Pod News. Yes. So it sounds, you know, like it knows. Pod News reported that it had heard from multiple sources that, quote, Some interviews on the show were done by other staffers with Megan's questions edited in afterwards. And I also found a post from Ali Yarrow, who is a author who was on the Archetypes podcast, who had posted, you know, around when she had recorded that in August last year about, you know, how excited she was to be included in the series. And she shared a selfie on Instagram and sort of sparked some speculation about this because her caption said, Cheers to producer Farah Safari and then in brackets, an excellent interviewer. And so people latched onto that as they do anything that could be read negative about Meghan Markle and are now framing it as if she's that deceitful and sort of like pulling the wool over her listeners' eyes and is like really inept. Yeah, exactly. That's the story that's bubbling around today is because of Alison's post of what she said about the producer and the picture and the fact that there's no kind of evidence that she was ever in the same room with Meghan Markle or on a Zoom mm. is what is really blown up today with people saying she is a grifter, Bill Simmons was right, she's lied to us, and basically saying that every interview that she's done or the majority of interviews that she's done have been falsified pretty much. Mm. However, I don't think that's what's happened. I think what's happened here is that she has done the interviews with like the big main guest stars. So I do believe that she was in the room with Serena Williams and Jamila Jamil and Mindy Kaling. There was video. Well, particularly of Mindy Kaling, I saw Yeah, exactly. Actually, in this kind of production space, it's not unheard of. In fact, it's pretty much like how things are done Mm -hmm. to often have a producer if it's just someone who's contributing to the episode to do the interview and then just because Alison wasn't like interviewed, she wasn't the main guest. Her comments were just because she'd written a book about the topic that was 90s bitch media culture and the failed promise of gender equality because the podcast episode was about the kind of coded the word bitch bitch and the coding around it and stuff. So she was more brought on as a sort of expert bit of commentary not to be interviewed. And also, can I just say that a lot of these big name radio and TV hosts aren't going to go stand on a red carpet for like an hour to do mm. a 10 minute interview. So they'll send like a junior producer or a junior reporter or someone who wants to get their foot in the door and have the experience. And it's not exactly a lie. I guess like the average person at home yeah. wouldn't know. But like in the industry, it's just like, oh, yeah, you go and get the audio And then we'll put it into the show and then sometimes the host will dub their own questions over even though they weren't there. I don't think it's necessarily deceitful. It's PR. Like that's just how this sort of thing works. And like when I did my little nine-month stint in PR, which I really did not thrive in, I wrote op-eds on things that I had no business writing op-eds on, you know, for a CEO or, you know, someone with a name and a face because – they're not going to do it themselves. Like these people are worth millions of dollars. Their hourly rate would be just like unheard of. And they're probably really busy. Like I don't think Meghan Markle, like I imagine Meghan Markle's schedule is 
interesting, yes. right? And so if she's got a 10-minute window to do an interview with someone and she's God knows where, somewhere else doing some charity thing, there's just no way that it would be feasible yeah. financially and also just in terms of like her time and commitments to go into a studio for a 10-minute chat. Yes. And I feel like this is probably far more prevalent than people realise and it's just because it's Megan and we love to shit on her that it's become a thing. Yeah, I'd say what's probably happened here is the same thing that happens with every Prince Harry and Meghan Markle story is, like, there is some truth to it, like, yeah. which is that maybe she did want to kind of do the fun, bigger bits of it. And fair maybe enough, <laughs> Fair enough. It's not as deceitful as people are making it out to be. It's just that this is how the podcast was created. And maybe they did sign on with all these intentions of doing that. They had, like, 30 guests in the first episode and then these block of, like, the next 12 episodes. So I think it's a case they didn't quite deliver the amount. And, again, they've just kind of, like, broken ties with Spotify in a way that I'm sure neither party, except for Billy Simmons, is trying to take anyone down. But because it's Meghan Markle, it's just blowing up. That is not a sexy enough headline, you know? Like, if a tabloid can make Meghan Markle a villain, they will. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick with assistant production by Tali Blackman. Our audio production is by Scott Stronach. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. See ya. Bye. Na 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 na